Hello, and welcome to episode 96 of the Cognicast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Well, let's see, what have we got in the news for you today? Well, one, one big thing we want to make sure we point out is the recent blog post on the Cognitech blog at uh, blog.cognitech.com, where we talk about the state of closure survey from 2015. Uh, pretty interesting results. Uh, we go through them in detail in that post. You should go check it out. Uh, one of the big things that we found was that participation was way up. It was like 75% higher than last year. And uh, what we kind of saw was that, again, this is all covered in detail, but um, a couple interesting bits of good news. Looks really like Clojure is definitely moving into commercial development in a big way. Um, so uh, kind of cool. Um, kind of seeing spread both broadly sort of among companies, but also going deeper into them. Um, you know, you're welcome to go and check the post out. The data is available too. draw your own conclusions. But uh, I thought Justin did a pretty good job of, um, of summarizing and you should check it out again. That's at blog.cognitech.com. Uh, what else? So I'd like to mention Dutch Closure Days. Uh, that's happening March 18th in 2016. Um, you can search for Dutch Closure Days and find out more about that. Um, uh, there's a closure bridge happening in London on February 19th and 20th. Uh, that's always a good event, uh, closure bridge that is. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, here we go. Of course, Closure West. Uh, the news there is well, the t- by the time you hear this, the um, call for proposals will have closed. So speaker selection process is ongoing. Very exciting. Um, and of course, the Opportunity Grant uh, program, wherein uh, members of underrepresented communities who would not be able to attend due to financial reasons are given the opportunity to attend, given some assistance. Um, the application deadline is February 22nd, so uh, make sure you head over to closurewest.org slash opportunity and check that out. Uh, we would love to um, see both people applying to be the beneficiaries of that program and also, of course, anyone that's interested in sponsoring. I'd uh, love to hear from you as well. So I think that's about uh, all we've got to say for news today. So we will go ahead and go on to episode 96 of the Cognicast. this this little conversation off that sounds great cool all right well welcome everybody today is tuesday december 8th in 2015 and this is the cognicast and today our guest i'm very pleased to welcome to the show uh jen hilner welcome to the show jen thank you happy Uh, to be here oh well we're thrilled to have you um you are a cognitech you're one of my colleagues and um you work actually i should probably ask you in a minute to introduce yourself um, but before we get too far into that, I uh, want to make sure that we do the opening question, the one mm-hmm. about art, the, where we ask you to relate for us some experience of art that you've had and that you'd like to share. So uh, did you have a chance to think of something you'd like to share with us? I I have, yep. I, I recently um, was actually in a performance with my daughter, uh, and so that's probably the, um, the experience that I'll, I'd like to talk about, the the dance school that my daughter's a part of does a actually really professional um, performance of the Nutcracker. And they get uh, several professionals from the American Ballet Theater to be a part of it. I don't know how they really manage that. I think it's the director of the company is just well connected. So uh, my daughter, uh, who's getting pretty serious about dance and ballet, um, had an opportunity to dance alongside five ballet dancers from ABT. One is uh, currently a principal there. So, you know, for folks that aren't in the ballet world, that's, that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then two weeks before the performance, they actually asked me to be in it as well. So um, I got to see firsthand all these you know, kids, like we, we use the word kids. Uh, uh, and it, you, sometimes you kind of, I think at least I do sort of underestimate 
what children are capable of. Um, and then you put in a setting like this one where I was up close and personal with you know, young, young girls and boys being given serious responsibility, you know, were treated like professionals, had to work, you know, tirelessly for, we're talking nine hour days, so really long days of rehearsals, you know, day after day. Um, and my daughter specifically got to see her up close, just um, excel and sort of shine in, in, in this space. And, you know, it was um, the Dancing was, you know, obviously art, and it was beautiful, and they did a wonderful job. But I, I, I think seeing children sort of rise to the occasion, and you know, be given uh, a high bar, and then and then meeting it, uh, and and seeing how hard they can work is sort of beautiful in and of itself. So that to me was um, the experience, you know, that I I am t- taking away from it. So that was my most recent sort of experience with art. Uh, that is very, very cool. Uh, I gotta say, it's funny if I co- on a couple dimensions. First of all, we have um, what feels to me like a disproportionate number of serious dancers here at Cognitect. Uh, yeah. Right, we have Kim, and uh, I, I guess I don't know for sure, but it sounds like if you were invited to participate on two weeks' notice, that that's not something that's n- new to you. You must have spent some time on that in your in your past. Yes, it, it, it was a... Uh... Not my recent past, so I'm <laughs> surprised they asked me. But I, I, yes, I did used to. I used to dance a long time ago, and then Karen, yes, uh, was very serious, right? And yes. uh, and Jamie, former Cognitech as well, I believe, also used to dance quite seriously. Oh, cool! So yeah, so quite a few dancers. So that's really interesting, and and uh, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and I, I'm curious, what was the age range of the kids involved? Because I mean, that sounds pretty hardcore. And like you say, it's surprising to, or at least unexpected, to, to hear how much. Um, they were able to rise to the occasion. So what was the age range of kids involved? I think the youngest was either four or five years old. Um, obviously, they have a, a smaller part, but they're still required to um, come to, you know, hours and hours worth of rehearsals. And then the oldest from the actual local company girls, I think is probably 17. And then the professionals, Jillian Murphy was the Snow Queen this year, which is, I mean, sorry, Sugar Plum Fairy this year, which is a big part. And she's a principal from ABT. And actually she, I believe is 36, which is quite older than most ballet dancers get to dance for. So, um, but yeah, the children started at like four or five, I think was the youngest one. Wow. Really young. Impressive. Yeah. Well, so our listeners now know that you uh, dance, but they don't know a whole lot else about you except that you work at Cognitech. So maybe we should uh, switch over to that and, and give a bit of an introduction. Uh, yeah. uh, would you mind explaining y- your role at Cognitech and uh, maybe how you came to work with us? Sure, absolutely. So I am, I think my official title now might be sales lead, I think. I think of myself as a business development person. So I was. I actually started um, on a consultant basis with Cognitech. I had been, I had run a recruiting business and uh, our focus had been a lot on placing closure developers. So um, Justin, I believe, thought because of that experience that I might be able to understand what you guys do at Cognitech, at least have maybe a jogging or a running start. And, and I, have always done business development. So I'm, I'm used to doing sort of outbound calling. So I was brought on to, to, to try to spread the word, I guess, about Cognitech and what, um, about Datomic and about what we do from a consulting services side of the business. Uh, and then have now become an official employee where yes, my role is, is sales, but I, I think of it as, um, there's a lot of companies out there that could really benefit from, uh, both our products and services. So figuring out who they are and try to, to start a conversation going to see if we can add value there is sort of what I do on a, on a day-to-day basis. So you mentioned business development, which is a term I've heard used a lot, but I guess I don't really know exactly what it means. I mean, I think uh, it sounds to me, I'm inferring that there is a distinction between, uh, say, sales activities and business development activities. Could you yeah. elaborate on what those mean to you? Yeah, I mean, so I've I've been in sales for fifteen years in a variety of of ways, um, and some of them were very transactional, where it really was, you know, 
making a sale. Like and that was and that was really all there really was to it. Uh, and along the way, I, one I didn't find that very satisfying. And what I did love about it was sort of learning about the the company and the people who were you know, in the company and what their business pains were and, and really building a relationship with them. And what I found was when you really do care about what is going on at that client site and you take the time to develop that kind of relationship, you not only can, you know, get a sale out of that if it makes sense, but you get a real client and not just, you know, someone who transacts with you on you know, one time. So you, you develop a relationship that continues on. And then a lot of my sales experience has been in startups where I, you know, I was responsible for getting us from to zero to wherever. And when you take the time to build that relationship, it helps you uh, increase your sales ultimately because people who you know, have learned to know you and like you and trust you, refer people to you. And so, so I think a business development is just much more the relationship building piece of it than just trying to uh, exchange, you know, goods for dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think what it was making me think of is the question that on the engineering side, mm -hmm. uh, we often get to, which is uh, someone will come to you and say, uh, this API doesn't work this way. And the initial instinct uh, for us is to start answering that question, but oftentimes what makes sense for us to do, and it sounds like the analogy is what you're, in what you're talking about is the same, is uh, what problem are you really trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think, what, you're, I think it, what I'm hearing at least is when you understand what problem the businesses are actually trying to solve and not, I want to buy Datomic or mm -hmm. I, I want to pay you for consulting, then that, that, helps, that helps you um, figure out how better to help them. Is that a fair mm -hmm. comparison? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there, it also helps you understand if, if we are really the right choice mm. for that business, because, you know, making a bad sale is not good for anyone. I've definitely had that experience, you know, previously. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, yes, you, you succeed quote unquote, you know, that you got someone to buy something, but that wasn't the, really the thing that would be the best sort of solution for them. And, and then you don't get return business and you don't get referrals because you really didn't add, you know, the value that people were hoping that you would. Um, and so sometimes that getting to know a client uh, and the people behind it and their problem, you know, leads to this actually isn't the right fit and, and you probably be better served doing X, Y, Z. And um, it's great being at a company that, appreciates and and desires that too you know that that would never push to just have a sale be made that it, it matters that it's um, a good fit sort of on both sides so yeah I mean I've <laughs> I've certainly been on the consulting side of that where you know and, and you know nobody bats a thousand right so no. sometimes we do that and we make our best effort and we still yeah. wind up taking an engagement um, or you know we miss a clue somewhere or something I've been on the mm -hmm. other side of that so I certainly appreciate when people farther up the sales engagement process, whatever the what do we call it process, mm -hmm. <laughs> make an effort to keep me from winding up sitting there going, um, why am I sitting here programming device drivers in Perl or whatever inappropriate right. you know thing? Um, so I'm curious, what do you have like a list in your head of things that you're looking for that are sort of counterindications? You know, someone comes to us and says. I read your website. You sounds perfect. I want to do X, and and you have a conversation with them. And in the course of that conversation, you come across something or some things that tell you this is not going to be a good idea. Do you have any any sort of broad categories of things that that fall into that category? Well, I think there's kind of you know there's there's the the technical sort of pieces of it that come into play as well as then the softer side of it, like the. Um, I certainly took me a long time to learn what you do here at Cognitech <laughs> and, you know, what on the consulting side, you know, the kinds of problems that we excel at solving and, and the kinds of uh, systems that we, you know, excel at developing. So that took a long time and learning, you know, Datomic and, and what that is and what it's really great for and, and what it's maybe not great for, that took a while too. So so there's things related to, do, to those two aspects of this job that, you know, I'll hear something from a client and be like, oh, that's not really 
the best fit. You know, that that's not so much on the consulting side, but like for Datomic, that comes up where they're they're looking for to, you know to do something what that wouldn't be best served you know with Datomic, or they're approaching maybe the problem thinking about it in a way that the way they're thinking about it might not be the best way to currently use it. Um, so there's the you know the kind of hard stops there where it really just technically does not align, but that doesn't happen as frequently as you know when you hear folks who just are looking for like staff augmentation sort of help because they know that we have great closure consultants here and and that's not something that we really do. Or um, if they are kind of just in the information gathering, you know, point of their process, which is, is great and fine, you have to start there, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe now's not really the time when they're ready to get serious about like engaging with us. And so sometimes I'll I'll pick up on that. But Every conversation to me is kind of a good conversation. I think that you always learn something. And so sometimes if it's not technically a great fit right now or it's not the right time for them for budget reasons or um, decision-making you know, process, whatever that case may be, there's always something to be learned from that person and that, and that client. And so, you know, keeping that relationship going, what doesn't happen today might happen you know, might be right 12 months from now. And so I, I try to walk away from any of those interactions, learning something and then keeping that in the back of my mind to then touch, touch base with them again later on. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, as you were talking, I, I was reminded of one of the one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is, so mm-hmm. first of all, I think it's really interesting to hear from various parts of the of the business. And certainly the, the part that you are involved in is critical mm-hmm. for us. But I think your perspective is especially interesting for our audience, which does tend to be technical, because you have had to come into an environment as someone who does not. And I'm going to put words in your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's fair to say that you would not self-characterize primarily as a technologist. Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> correct. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you've done – I mean, you've certainly had to be able to have those conversations. Um, and so, you know, I'd love to hear more about – how that's been and sort of how you view things like closure and datomic and specifically how you feel you view them in contrast to how someone like me who's immersed in the who's focused on the technical aspects and the sort of the application of the technology um, less in a in a business context and more in a oh wow transducers are sort of inherently cool right that type of thing mm. um, so I'd, I just I just want to kind of get your perspective on you know, what it was like to come up to these things and, and how you perceive them and how you think you maybe perceive them differently from, uh, you know, if I can kind of average out over the consultants in Cognitech, if that makes sense. I think coming in, you know, I already knew of closure. And I think learning uh, more about that uh, has taken a different journey than d- learning about Datomic. So, you know, I, I was a technical recruiter for 14 years. Um so you, you know, recruiters like dabble in what they, they are recruiting for. They don't really know what, as even really great recruiters. And I, I think I was a really, really good recruiter. You, you know, you know about programming language from, from a recruiter standpoint. And, and you might, I think actually before I started here, I, I think I thought I knew more than I actually did. <laughs> and then, me, me too. Right? <laughs> um, and so uh, for me, that piece of it was more um, initially just learning like what we have done with it. So our customer stories were really very important for me to get a handle on because I think that's what I've learned through that process was, you know, here are the kinds of problems that we have been solving and, and our application, you know, and use of closure. And I think that that was very eye-opening. I had no idea just how far-reaching our work with closure had gone. I mean, obviously I knew that you guys had built your consultancy around that over the last couple of years, but the magnitude to which it was being used, the companies that were using it, you know, to learn about places like Staples and Walmart. And I'm just making sure I don't mention any ones I can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, or we'll, big, we'll bleep them out later if we yeah. have to, <laughs> you know, these, you know, really big banks. And it's just, it's, and and then the type of problem that they were, you know, that it was applied to, um, I think that was a big piece of it. And understanding at some level, like what what are microservices, and you know, what does it mean to be able to build the infrastructure that 
you know, then a place like Walmart can build things like your receipts off of, you know, what, you know, what did that sort of story look like from not so much from a technical standpoint, because ultimately I'm, I'm never going to be able to speak fluently enough in your language, you know, the technology language to, to do that any justice. But I did want to understand, at least be able to talk to another business person about it, you know, and so learning that was more of the journey of closure for me here. Um, Datomic, on the other hand, was so different from any database I ever even thought I knew about before I came here. So that was a much bigger learning curve. Uh, and I find that that's, you know, I'm not alone in that for people who are coming from using um, a different sort of database or database tool. It's, you know, I think that uh, lumping it in with just database also doesn't really do it full justice as well. But so understanding the way that Datomic was built and the concepts behind, you know, how it was architected and then getting comfortable with just the, the verbiage of being able to talk about that and then what it really means you know, from a technical standpoint, and then trying to take that all of that and translate it back to then being able to tell a business person who is not technical about it. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense what I just said, but um, it does. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's it's learning a whole new set of vocabulary around a whole new technology that I've never heard of before. And so what was extremely helpful was everybody here. So like I had a lot of one-off conversations with, I tried to spread it around so nobody knew how much I was asking, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, I got on the phone with a lot of uh, the developers here to uh, have them explain and re-explain Datomic to me. And then I did a lot of reading on my own. And it's funny, at some, I think it was probably about five months ago, I had my own kind of aha moments like, oh, I get why that that's important. Oh, I get why separating reads and writes enables, you know, uh, it to take, have that kind of scalability or I understand, you know, why, like how the processes work and, you know, just a, a lot of it just sort of came, came, became clearer. And then the business application for like where it would be best used or where, where people could benefit from it then became even clearer, you know, so knowing that it has this, this history built into it and, and that audit trail that's sort of there for you and you don't need to develop it, you know, there's like healthcare and finance just scream mm. datomic. And so now that point, you know, helps me, uh, helps point me in the right direction on, on who to try to talk to about it. It's funny that you say that. It's I, I'm kind of trying to think like, why is it that? Cause I, I mean, I have the same impression, right? For, which mm. is, Datomic's pretty different. Uh, I know that's qualitative, but it feels pretty different to me from a lot of the databases, all of the databases I have previously worked with. Mm -hmm. And yet I think Clojure is different too. I guess, though, that there are maybe more categories where I could say I've worked with things like it before, like it's a lisp. And so in, in many ways, it's like you know other lisps that I've worked with, or it's functional. And so it's like other functional languages. I, I'm just kind of, just kind of grasping at straws here trying to see if I can figure out why because I, I agree with you and figure out why it is that Datomic feels more different to other things I've worked with than Clojure does to other things I've worked with although now that I say that it was a pretty big adjustment too so maybe it's just a maybe it's just a timeline thing anyway what do you yeah. think well I think you know uh, I think understanding some basics around Clojure was easier because I had been placing software developers and sort of new, mm. you know, when, when I heard the differences between like object oriented development and, and then how closure approaches things, it, it was, um, it was easier to understand closure because at least I knew what the other programming languages were like, you know, and so I had like a baseline of some understanding. However, I say that. And then recently I took closure bridge. Yes. And so I really, I really didn't really understand it until maybe just recently. And I still, and then I think once you learn something a little bit, you realize how much more you don't know. So I got, I got to see it and use it and actually be taught it, you know, at a very introductory level. And that I think now I have a, a much different um, perception of what closure is. Uh, 
And that was really, really cool because I don't, you know, until you live in someone else's shoes, like you don't really know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be you or, you know, any of the other developers and what your day-to-day truly is like. And so getting a hand, you know, getting my hands on coding and doing some of that myself was uh, very eye-opening. By the way, if you ever want to pair for a day... Let me know. I'd be happy to do that. That's the sort. Yeah, we should. I mean, I think that's the sort of thing that lots of people in the company. I would venture to say everyone would be open to. But certainly, uh, I'll extend the offer to you right now. Um, But I want to talk more about Closure Bridge. You mentioned that it was definitely one of the things I wanted to mention. uh, Have you talk about today? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like you said, you you we've talked about Closure Bridge a bunch. We think it's a great program. Mm -hmm. But you've actually gone through it recently. Can you talk us through uh, maybe your decision to? enroll and then what the experience was like and I don't know anything you want to anything else you think is worth mentioning yeah so I mean my my decision to enroll work for a couple of reasons so I don't I don't know if people know this but Rich Hickey is my brother so I've heard of Clojure for quite a long time and then I placed Clojure developers and I've talked with him about it you know from uh from his perspective but not not in the trenches you know not not knowing what it, exactly what the language did or looked like. So I've been curious about it for a long time. Um, and then now that a big piece of my job is to uh, sell our consultancy services where we develop enclosure, I felt like I needed to understand it better than I, than I currently did. So, so yeah, so I signed up <laughs> and it's a very, it's a very, uh, it, I honestly, I thought the curriculum was awesome. Like, I think for for a person coming with zero programming skills, like I never even took. I was a occupational therapist, like major in college, and all my classes were science related, but not computer science related. And I I had never even took a you know intro to programming class in any way, shape, or form in high school or, or college. So I really was coming in with zero experience. So I don't know if it's more of a, a nod to the language itself or the curriculum that has been put together with Closure Ridge, but it was extremely easy to understand um, descriptions of, you know, what a function is and, and you know, parentheses and why they're used and uh, what a REPL is and, you know, all these things um, that they put together. It was just, it, it, I mean... Like I keep saying easy, but it, it, they made it very simple uh, to learn to the point where I have sat down with my kids and started walking them through the curriculum because they will totally get this and they'll probably get it like way better than I did. Even. <laughs> so, yeah, they, it, I have to say that like it brought me, you know, you don't go terribly far in an introductory class, but I was able to you know, make turtles move and, and, and then write, you know, functions of my own. And I thought it was, I left the day or left the two day session knowing, you know, at least the basics of, of closure over a very, very short period of time. So it's, it's a great, it's a great program for people to try to be part of. That's very cool. I'm glad that you had a positive experience. I have a high opinion of the uh, people running it. And uh, I've heard other people say good things. It's nice to hear that you had a similar experience. And I think it's especially cool that you've taken that back to your kids, I feel like, uh, you know, not that I speak for them, but I feel like the, uh, the closure bridge, uh, ethos would very much embrace you spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a question that comes up from time to time in the closure bridge world. And, and I don't know, maybe it's not fair to ask it to you because I, I, it has a, it has to do with other languages, which, mm-hmm. which I know you said you haven't had much, if any experience with, but it sounds like you didn't have any, so here's the, here's the thing that comes up. People say, "Is closure a good first language?" And you know, again, I don't, I don't know whether you feel like you can offer a perspective on that, but I'm, I'm inferring from what you said that you had no trouble with it, like there wasn't. But I, again, I don't know whether you have anything to compare it to. So, I, do you have any thoughts on that? I, you know, I don't have anything else to compare it to, but there is a simplicity built into it. It's, it's meant not to be. I mean, that's my understanding overly complex like you know they're the words that are used to do things are written in english like i can like i can probably like see read uh somebody else's function and try to and uh, get some sense of what you know is being said there so mm-hmm. i think that made it very approachable and i don't know i've i've seen code you know other other types of code and it it looked you know just extremely 
confusing and just a lot of different, you know, numbers and symbols that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I feel like I could look at a page of someone's closure code and obviously not get the whole thing, but make some sense out of it. So I think that the, the fact that it, I don't know if this makes sense, but it's kind of written in English, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes it uh, a little bit easier. And then the kind of themes behind it and the, you know, the descriptions of what goes into it were all just made sense. Like it was all pretty easy to, to understand. I mean, and even my son was like, Oh yeah, no, I get it. So I don't know what people's experience are when they first learn Java, but, but that's definitely what my experience was learning closure. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. Thanks for that. I really, it's really, really cool. I mean, you know, I'm, pretty far removed from being a beginner myself. Yeah. So it's really cool. Uh, just, you know, temporarily, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really cool. Well, and it, no, what was neat is that it left me also wanting to learn more. Like, so I, uh, during the course, you, you, the, one of the, one of the things I have to do is move a turtle across the screen. I think it's using like an application called Quill, maybe. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. that's right. That's right. And so, and you know, so you'd write these functions like forward 90 or, and write, you know, 45 or whatever. And the turtle would do it. And so writing that function, is not that hard to pick up like, okay, this makes it go forward and this makes it go right. Like those words all make sense and the degrees that they, you know, or the amount of steps all make sense. But what I couldn't get over, I'm like, how does a computer even know forward? Like, how does mm. it even know right? And Russ and I started talking about libraries and the things that are already that's built into the application itself. And so then I was like, okay, but where did they get it from? And then where did that come from? And it's sort of like when you start learning about evolution, you want to know, you want to bring it all the way back to like, where did it really first, first, first began? And I never realized how developers kind of worked. Like I, every time, um, you know, something was made by developers, I know, I kind of always assumed that it was always like, from scratch, like every single bit of it. And that there wasn't this use of like a library that then could catapult you to the next level of thinking and then the next level of creativity that you build upon that. And so kind of understanding that was completely new for me. Sort of that there's some building blocks out there, you know. And then the fact that developers spend so much of their time in, in order to find a good solution, like just learning on their own, like, oh, this is this library that does this, or maybe I can apply it to this problem. Like that that whole um, self-guided, you know, education or, or contribution to like the open source community blows my mind. I think that's, I, I'm trying to think of any other profession where people dedicate themselves to both contributing and learning about, you know, what's what's out there in the you know, the, the programming world. I suspect that, I mean, I, you know, I, I suspect that there are lots of uh, other disciplines where the, the learning part goes on. I mean, I imagine that um, in your work as a recruiter or as a physical therapist, you read, for example, you read trade magazines and so forth. Yeah. Um, however, the opportunity to contribute to the body of knowledge m- might not be unique, but I think the barrier for us is lower because our the thing that we're working with is information, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot easier for us to just sort of put something out there or walk up to another group of people and and say, oh, "I have a I have a way to help out." Whereas as a as a physical therapist, uh, occupational therapist, I believe you said, yes, I suspect that sort of thing would be harder to do just by the nature of the work. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and also I think that there's a like a community, like such a sense of community within your profession that like when I was an OT or a recruiter, I mean, it's not like there were forums, forums where, you know, myself and lots of other therapists would just try to work out things or, or add to the solution of things, you know, in that sort of a community setting that never happened. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it should. I think, you know, you, there's something to be gained from like, you know, uh, tapping into to what everyone knows or uh, can contribute. But yeah, so I find that part of what you guys do really, really interesting and cool. Uh, this, well, I find it really cool to hear it. I mean, reflected back. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's always different when you're on the uh, you take things for granted. I think is probably the right way to put that and to get the mm. fresh perspective. It's super cool to hear your hear your perspective. So you know, I want to loop back to something though because as we were talking, I don't remember what reminded me of this, but. Uh, 
here we are. It's sort of the end of 2015, roughly. And we have had a seriously kick-butt year from a business perspective. Mm. Uh, we've seen significant growth in Datomic. The consulting business is crazy strong. We've, we'll probably touch on this with Justin in the the year-end wrap-up, but you know we've had a really, really good year. Yeah. Uh, very rare that we've had a, a December even as strong as this one. Uh, and you know, I think a lot of that can definitely be traced back to your work because you know you're out there pounding the pavement, you're drumming up leads. We track these things. We know that you are responsible for introducing us to the people that we're doing business with. Um, but I wanted to hear from you about what those factors are. First of all, I, I think you're a very modest person. You're, you're likely to undervalue your personal contribution, so I want to definitely recognize that. Um, and, but maybe not force you to talk about it. But I, what I do want to hear about is your perspective on um, the market, right? Because we've, we, we've, you know, we're, we're kind of sitting here. We have maybe a bit of a unique position in that. Like Rich works here, and we were one of the first closure companies, and um, you know, we help maintain. And there's all these things where Cognitech is sort of central. But mm-hmm. But but I think there's another question around like what is the market doing in general like and I think mm. you are well positioned to to answer that you know because you are out talking to people including people that we don't work with like I only mm-hmm. talk to people that we do work with right and you talk to plenty of people where they say no or we say no and so I, I don't know I guess that's a long winded way of asking what does the landscape look like to you in the closure and datomic world right now. I don't have any data to back this. So this is just much, okay. you know, yeah, uh, this is my opinion based on what I've seen and heard. I think, you know, as a company, we're kind of modest, right? We, when I first got here, I was like, why do, why aren't we telling everybody about what we're doing? Like, this is amazing. The companies we work with and what we built here and, you know, any other sales organization that I would be a part of would be like screaming that. And I think that there's, there is sort of a modesty to us in, in a bit, but as the word, got out and as people learned our customer stories, I think that was a big, big thing for us is that, you know, it takes sometimes knowing that places like, like Walmart, I keep going back to that as an example, but where consumer reports like work, work and trust us to work with them on their hardest problems makes a difference in somebody else deciding, well, okay, I'm going to check these guys out and I'm going to give them a chance. So I think that in general, people are ready for to, to start finding solutions that work, and they have spent a lot of time and money working on things, you know, or with companies or with products or riding the trendy wave of a quote unquote big data solutions, and 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 then have ended up at a place where years go by and things aren't better, and the problem is still there, and now they're two years out and however many millions of dollars out and they're still sitting there, you know, not being able to make use of like legacy data to build new products. And it's, it's frustrating. And so I think when you're talking to the right people who are having those kinds of problems and, and that's the kind of problems that we're kind of great at solving and, and you, you know, you're able to explain sort of what we've done for others. There's a, there's, they're ready to take, you know, a chance or, or to begin the process with something that is very new. Like you have to be, you, you know, if you're, if you don't know us already, there, there's a lot, there's a learning curve there to get to know like Datomic and Clojure and our, you know, our products and what we do. But, but we've been able to now articulate how it's worked for others and, and have built credibility, you know, with people who weren't already in our fan base, our fan base, our community of, you know, closureists and people who know Datomic already, like they come to us already. So that's great. But it's getting the folks that don't know us to, to take a, maybe that leap of faith in, in starting to begin the conversation with us and take a, a start evaluating us is, is what I have seen change a lot. And I think that that's, you know, people are ready for something that will actually work. <laughs> and are, <laughs> yeah, and, bring it on. <laughs> you know, and and are and are kind of tired and hearing kind of the same old, same old from a lot of other ways of, of solving problems. So, you know, I think we are inherently different, and I think that that is a good thing. I think that that we come to the table first and foremost as being people who stop to think 
around the problem space and really think first, you know, and then try to build something eloquent that, that solves that problem is that alone is a, such a different and fresh approach that I think people are, are really ready to hear that. And, and it's obviously that's why this year's I think been so great, you know, that answer your question. Uh, yeah, it did. It does. <laughs> it does. And so, and I, the th- what I want to do as well is because I think that's a really good answer in the context of people coming to Cognitech. But it occurs to me that I have a wonderful resource, you, people are, people are, maybe I shouldn't refer to resources, but someone really knowledgeable about a problem that I think a lot of our listeners have, and I think you are, are, are well suited to help them with. So I think a lot of our listeners are in the position of they really already like closure, um, or maybe Datomic, they like something that, you know, we talk about on the show, that's why they're listening. Uh, and they really want to use it, but um, not everybody around them is in the same boat yet or mm-hmm. at, at all, right? They're they're in a company that's using a lot of Java, and they're like, well, mm-hmm. I I feel like I can do better than that. Uh, like mm-hmm. you said, something that something that works. I like that. And and you know, these people are often faced with the task of selling right. closure into or whatever into their organization. And yep. I think it's maybe something that they haven't thought a lot about how to do or whatever. Like, and and, and yet right. here, here you are, you do it all the years. So, what advice? You know, you're talking to these people, right? And you're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You know, what would you tell them? How should they go about that? What are things that they can try? Well, I think I think a couple of things. I, you know, I think becoming aware of, and a lot of people are not aware of how many companies. Not I'm not talking about our clients alone, like companies far and wide that are using closure. And and I think once you get a sense for that, like of just how many Fortune one hundred companies, I mean Fortune ten companies, you know, have are using closure, that alone, if you let your boss know that, you know, that's that hopefully will get them to to pause and, and take a look, uh, or at least listen to you maybe a bit further. I think the you know, I think the because I, I am the person who has the opportunity to, to sell this is, you know, I think getting on the phone to hear uh, and, and get your questions uh, answered is a, is a big way. But that's not something that, you know, you can kind of do on your own without me necessarily. I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing would be to take a look at you know, just how it's getting used or who is using it. We also have to do, you know, and I think we have done a, a better job of drafting those stories up and blogging about them and then spreading that word over, you know, social media. There are tons of examples of customer success stories like within our website now, both on the customer success story page and and then on the blog, you know, that we put out, we're we're sort of recycling other people's success stories. And and again, those sometimes there are clients and sometimes they're not. It's really not about that. It's much more about getting to understand the different places that it can be applied and how it's being used and, and actually hearing, I think from people that aren't our customers is a good thing because, you know, that's not why we think it's good because it's, you know, these people are working with us to build something with it. We think it's good because it's just good, (laughs) you know, and it it solves the problem better. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, if people who are listening to this are, you know, often go to our blog too, or have seen some of those stories or, you know, we have some of them now that in marketing materials that we send around, but, uh, and then use attending like user groups or if you want, you know, like I participate in user groups and, and have gone to talk about kind of where closures getting utilized and how, um, and I'm happy to always do that. So people can always ping me for that as well. <laughs> cool. So how would they reach you? Email me at, Jay Hilner at Cognitech. Okay, cool. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. And I'm always happy just to answer any questions too. So, you know, if anyone wants to call just to find out more firsthand from me, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Excellent. Super cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's, that's something I've, I, I agree with you. You know, user groups are great, but I think it's something that people definitely struggle with. And it's interesting that you cite that one example. It's not something that would have occurred to me right away. It's just tell people, hey – you know, Walmart is using it, uh, Consumer Reports is using it, these other uh, really big companies, or maybe these other companies that aren't so big, but are like our company are using it, that that, yes. you, that you find that to be a very um, persuasive, I guess maybe it like just gets past the, um, 
the bozo filter, right? Like that's really the main thing is you got to, you got to, cause there's so much out there that it, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a good question for you, right? Like this is the sort of thing that you deal with all the time. Like, mm-hmm. is it that you're just proving legitimacy or at least providing a counter example yes. like to it? Cause I think the default yeah. reaction just has to be dismissal because that you can't deal with the onslaught of information in this world any other way. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I, I a couple, what was it, months ago when I did my little presentation for us internally. I mean, you have to sort of figure out how people learn, right? Or, or you know, begin to know uh, and, or begin to trust and like something. And, and, and it's really different for different everybody. I mean, it's, it's a very unique thing, you know, person to person. And some people need, some people, it, you know, it matters that it, it's, it's widely adopted and, you know, well-known companies. Some people that doesn't matter. Some sometimes it matters more. You know what the actual problem is that was solved. You know, was it? Mm. Uh, so you have to get you know uh, tell them the technical story behind it, and that that matters to them. So I think that you know it. You can't just do one thing. You kind of have to know that your audience varies so greatly, and to assume that this one way of getting information out will will get into all those other people's heads is, is, you know, is misguided. I think you have to be willing to know that you don't know what's going to work and uh, necessarily for everybody. And, and you have to try a lot of different ways of communicating. Yeah. I think that that's, that's kind of a life lesson that I've learned through all my varying careers, <laughs> you know, is, is being comfortable with not knowing sort of what you're getting into with a, a, a person each time you interact with them and knowing that it's, 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 an opportunity to learn. And once you learn, you know, then you have a, a chance of influencing them, hopefully for good. <laughs> yeah. I bet you and I could talk psychology for a whole episode. And actually, maybe we will yeah. do that. I think that I, I've always found it very interesting. And I think uh, I'm going to babble for a moment, if you'll pardon yeah. me. Uh, you know, I've been babbling for 50 minutes. No, 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 no. no. Fascinating <laughs> stuff. Absolutely fascinating. I knew that you would make a good guess and I have not. Uh, I've I've been made confident that my decision was the correct one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, I've said this before, like software is about people, right? Mm-hmm. And so like anything you can learn about people will help you write software better. And uh, that's a good one. Uh, that's like, I got I to gotta remember that one, the, the idea that you should go into any interaction with people with a, with a level of uncertainty about what, what will reach them. Is that, a, is mm-hmm. that a fair way of saying what you said? Because I want to remember that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I learned that through being an occupational therapist. And that is, I think, what has helped me the most throughout my sales career, which is, you know, might sound so odd, but there's a humility to like learning, going in, knowing what you don't know, and being okay with that and letting letting what genuinely is their problem or their way of learning or their issues or their business needs guide the conversation and and through that I think that that's where you really get to some better solutions yeah I really like that I, I'm definitely gonna uh, think think more deeply on that I have it's a, it's a good takeaway for me cool oh well um, we are sort of coming up towards uh, the end of our time but I, I do always like to leave room because sometimes our guests uh, have things that they're like hey Craig I wanted to mention this to your to your listeners, or it would be cool if we if we spent some time talking about this. I don't know if you have anything like that on your mind, but if you do, then uh, now would be a great time to, to share that. Well, I think it kind of ties into a little bit about what we've been talking about, although I think it can be applied in life in general. I, You know, I, I say this a lot. I've said it as a manager to like my sales employees, and then I've said it to my kids, and I say it to myself um, <laughs> that you know you you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Like you know, I really do think that people should spend more time listening and less time talking. Not that they shouldn't talk, you know, but there's the more time listening piece is the key there. Like I think that um, uh, there's a tendency in a lot of different ways in life where people sort of never really start with listening. And so the conversation never gets to where it could go. Um, And I think some people, you know, fill the room with a lot of verbiage and, and then really nothing gets said because no one's really listening to each other. So I have found that 
you can learn a lot more about people by listening more to them instead of talking as much with them. And then, and then the communication that happens from there tends to be a, a whole lot better and more productive in, in all ways. Well, it's certainly uh, good advice for a podcast host. And I know I've, uh, I've observed when I was editing the show, and I've said this before, I could look at it and see how much I talked and how much the guests talked. And my favorite mm-hmm. episodes are all the ones where it's, you know, more them and less me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, so that's really awesome advice. Um, and and I, I guess I wonder whether that was the advice you had in mind with which to end the show or if you have other uh, other thoughts, because it seems like we've come to that point yeah. where uh, where we where we closed down with a piece of advice. Was that it? Or did you have something else for us as well? I, I, I kind of hope you do, because they've all been pretty good. No, that's kind of what I had. Yeah, no, that's good. That's great. That's actually great. I was actually thinking to myself, oh, she has something else that'll be awesome, but that's actually a really good one to end on. I think uh, really fantastic. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. I was, I've was i been looking forward to recording with you for quite some time. It's taken us a little while to finally coordinate our schedules, but I'm I'm thrilled that you finally made it on the show. And Just thanks so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad you wanted to be, to have, be on the show. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And I think we'll have to do it again. Uh, you know, uh, your, I think your perspective is absolutely fascinating, uh, both as someone who's an expert in what they do, uh, but also as someone who is not an expert um, in what I do, but who has a unique and really, really interesting uh, uh, viewpoint on I learned a lot from you today. So I, I'll, I'll thank you again for that. It's, it's been great. Uh, so I hope to have you back. It has been a thrill. Uh, we will close down there. This has been the Cognicast. You have been listening to The Cognicast. The Cognicast is a production of Cognitech Inc., whom you can find on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at Cognitech. You can subscribe to The Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art and show notes at our home on the web, Cognitech.com slash podcast. You can contact us by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at Cognitech.com. Our guest today was Jen Hilner on Twitter at Jen Hilner one That's J-E-N-N-H-I-L-L-N-E-R and the numeral one. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production by Russ Olson. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Thanks for listening. <laughs>